What's up, Rad Dads, and welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads Podcast, hosted by none other than the two raddest dads on the East Coast. In studio tonight, we do have a special guest. Uh, he is a keynote speaker, has spoken in front of educators, businessmen and women, government officials. He's a rad dad himself, known as Jim Carrey with a PhD. He's, he's America's reading ambassador with 25 years of teaching experience an education advisor for preschoolers all the way up to rocket scientists. That's amazing. Uh, he's an author of 15 best-selling books, which include The Reading Makeover. He understands the challenges parents face when it comes to their kids and reading. His goal is to transform your child from being a reluctant or struggling reader to a passionate and more proficient reader. Please help me welcome Dr. Danny Brussel. Dr. Oh, Danny Brussel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sal and Rob, for having me, and thanks for being Rad Dads. I used to have a nonprofit called Real Dads Read, and I used to always emphasize to the dads, I'm like, hey, you know why your kids like football so much? Because that's the only time you spend with them. If you spent your time reading with them, your kids would want to be readers. So uh, I love what you're doing, because uh, whether we know it or not, the kids are paying attention to us all the time. Yes, they are like sponges. Especially when, when, when you happen to curse and you don't think that they're around and they're standing right behind you. No, they're, 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 they're the worst when, you, uh, when somebody cuts you off on the freeway and you, you, let, you let fly something that you shouldn't out of your mouth. All of a sudden you hear it repeated 20 times in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned if you don't react, they only say it maybe once or twice. But if you react, it's... The never ending. <laughs> good tip. Good tip. So let's get right into this. So very interested understanding how you're able to transform children from being reluctant readers to passionate and more proficient readers. Well, Rob, um, I think schools do a, a, an all right job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching kids how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read something. I want them to choose to do it on their own. And there's some simple tricks of the trade that I've learned over my years of teaching uh, that, that get kids excited about reading. Here's a quick tip for all the parents listening right now, and especially the dads out there. Uh, a lot of I, I often work with a, a lot of uh, parents in under-resourced areas and parents will say, oh, I have nothing to read at home. I'm like, oh, but you do. President <laughs> Bush, uh, 30 years ago, signed a very important law in this country. It says every television set in America has to have closed captioning. So the first tip I always give parents is turn the closed captioning on the TV. And people will say, well, wait a second. The show's in English and the subtitles are in English. What good does that do? I'm like, well, that's a fair point. But let me make a point. Have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the closed captioning? It's very difficult to do. Your, your brain is actually directed towards the text. And there's actually research to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every single country in the world except for one. The country that watches the most TV actually has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people always ask, well, how can that be? And I'm like, well, Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so what they have to do is they have to import all the old like Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch episodes. And they're, 
they're uh, subtitling them in Finnish and the kids are reading all the time. So that's a quick tip that anybody can do at home is just turn on the subtitles on your television. My daughter last week, she's into anime. And I, I got to the point where she, you know, she's in her room. It was a Saturday. The weather was okay. So it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I, and I go, I barge into her room. I said, you know, that's enough. I said, you're on your computer all day. I said, put your computer down and read a book. She goes, Dad, but I am reading. I said, you can't read. She goes, look, it's in closed caption. I said, mm. you got me. <laughs> Smart girl. <laughs> she's into, she's into uh, 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 anime, and she's trying to learn Japanese at the same time. So, What's the deal she with got that, me. Rob? I mean, my two daughters, they're learning Japanese, too. It's the manga trend and the anime and Studio Geely. They just love these things, and I think it's great. I mean, uh, you know, my kids can read in Japanese. They don't read in English, but they can read in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Danny, how, how many kids do you have, and what are their ages? So I'm now old at this point to chop off my head and count the rings. I've been around for a while. I have uh, my oldest daughter, Kate, is 19. My son, Sean, is 17. And my youngest daughter, Samantha, is 14. And so one of the tips I always give to dads is uh, it's a great way to bond with your different kids. Is I have different books that I, I use with every kid. So my my oldest daughter, she's into uh, Game of Thrones, and so we're reading Game of Thrones by uh, George R. R. Martin. It's not exactly uh, something I would give to uh, a little kid. It can get kind of graphic, but, you know, to each his own. My, my son loves anything to do with wars, and so we're actually reading a, a biography right now about this World War One and World War Two British general, Sir Adrian the carton we are. He's like missing an eye, missing an arm. He's like been wounded 13 times. He's like a total stud. It's a really cool story. <laughs> and then um, for my youngest daughter, for some reason, she's into literature. I don't know why. We just finished The Great Gatsby, which is one of my least favorite books. I hate that book, but uh, at least I can appreciate the writing. Now we're reading uh, Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, which is one of the most difficult books I've ever read aloud. I mean, I I, I read Charles Dickens and I realize, man, we're all illiterate nowadays. This book was written for kids, <laughs> and I'm looking up half the words in the dictionary that he's using. Uh, and then just if wow. you want to, we're, we're talking dads, uh, to score some points with your wife. Uh, my wife is into the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon, and so we read the Outlander books. And then there's this, this wonderful series of books called uh, The Unselected Journals of Emma M. Lyon that uh, we're reading together. So it's just a great way to just have individual bonding experience with each kid in your house. I envy that. I, I have a stack of books on, on my nightstand, and I haven't finished one. I get maybe five to seven chapters in, and then it, it takes me a while to read those five to seven chapters. It just, I guess I pick a bad time to start reading. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, Sal. Actually, uh, this is something I always tell people. If you have that 800-page uh, book on your night side, your, your, your bedside table that you started reading three years ago, I, I, I can do something for you because I'm a Ph.D., I absolve you of that book. <laughs> Thank get you. Another one. Yeah, get another one. If, I mean, like, think of reading like th like eating a piece of food. If you take a bite, and you're like, oh, this is nasty. Well, maybe it gets better. Oh, no, it's nasty. 
I mean, if you don't like the first couple of chapters, you're probably not going to like the next chapter. So put it, people think that they have to finish what they start. I'm like, that's stupid. You know, if you don't like it, put it, there was over 4 million books written in English alone last year. Some of them are pretty good. Don't waste your time on the lame ones. And here's something that's really important for all the dads out there listening is our research is very clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. And I'll give you a tip right now. The little boy who only reads Captain Underpants books is going to be a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but we got to get the kid hooked on it first. <laughs> this is true. So my son tonight, Sal comes in. My kids have a very good relationship with Sal. So Sal comes in and we're talking about, you know, how you're going to be on the show and, you know, what you specialize in. My son goes, I read a book every night. And Sal's like, you read a book every night? He goes, what do you read? And he reads Diary of a Wimpy Kid. But Diary of a Wimpy Kid isn't like, there's graphics and it's a graphic novel. Even though it's 250 pages, literally reads a book every night. The funny thing is with my son, he'll reread the book. I read a book once or twice and that that's it. I don't want to see it again. I'm done. I know what is happening. You know, it's it's but he has I think 20 of them. 20, however many there are, he just keeps going through the cycle. And Sal looks at him and he goes, "No, no you don't." And he goes, "Oh yeah, I do." And it, it's true. I'll go in there and I'm like, "All right, is this kid sleeping?" And I walk in, he's laying in his bed reading a book. I'm like, "All right, that's pretty cool." My oldest reads a lot. My youngest, he has dyslexia and dysgraphia, so it's taking a while to get for him to get there, but He's, I think that's part of his problem is that he's not interested in reading because he struggles so much. But I think once he gets over that, he may become interested. I'll give you a tip for him, Rob, because I work with it. I mean, people have to understand that all reading disabilities are curable. And far and away, the most undiagnosed or misdiagnosed reading disability out there is dyslexia. So first of all, point out to your son, uh, if you look at the Fortune 500 CEOs, over half of them are dyslexic. Uh, people like uh, Sir Richard Branson is dyslexic. Uh, you know, you can look in entertainers like uh, um, Sylvester Stallone and Whoopi Goldberg uh, is dyslexic. Uh, President George Washington was dyslexic. So he's in very good company. And here's the tip for him is uh, dyslexic students tend to process information much better through their ears in the auditory mode. And so one of the tips I always give to people is uh, turn on audiobooks, let them listen to those books, because just because he isn't able to read them doesn't mean he can't comprehend them when they're read aloud to him. And this is a, a tip I always give to people. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And I love that your other son is reading the Jeff Kinney books. Uh, I had read um, The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt by Edmund Morris. It actually won the Pulitzer Prize and uh, just a fascinating book. And one of the amazing facts in that book was by the time he was 30 years old, Teddy Roosevelt had read over 20,000 books. And so now you have to say what my, my little ones will say. They'll say, wow. Uh, and so I, I look at my students. I'm like, so we got to read a lot of kid books now, kids. You know, I, I mean, I read 10 books a day. I mean, many of them are scratch and sniff and pop up, but I do read 10 books a day. So tell your son that uh, those, the Diary of the Wimpy Kid books, by the way, I've met Jeff Kinney. He's a, he's a hoot. And then one, I don't remember which one it is, but there's a great, there's a great Diary of the Wimpy Kid where uh, 
Greg, Hefley, Greg Hefley's mother decides she's going to have a mother-son book club for the neighborhood. And so she, she invites all the boys to come and bring a book. And so the mother, she's brought her books to their, their first meeting. And the books that she has brought are Sarah Plain and Tall, Little House on the Prairie, Little Women, Anne of Green Gables. And the boys, the books that they have brought are uh, Monster Trucks, How to Cheat at Video Games, <laughs> The book of bodily functions. I'm like, that's it. You know, everybody's a little bit different. And uh, I mean, the research is very clear on this. Four out of five struggling and reluctant readers are boys. You know, so so Sal, you got it easy. You got all daughters. Rob's the one with the tougher job. It's usually the boys that have the tougher problems. Uh, uh, and I think a lot of that, it, this is just a theory. But when I taught um, little kids, um, I've taught all ages. And my passion is with the real little ones. 96% of kindergarten through second grade teachers are female, you know, and then the 4% of the guys that teach the little ones, everybody just assumes we're either pedophiles or homosexual and neither of those things. Um, but what's, what's interesting is I watch the types of books that a lot of the female teachers read to their class. And it's the books that they enjoy, which are like bunny rabbit books. And they're just sweet books. And like, Boys, I was with a, a third grade boy. Um, his teacher told me, Mario won't read anything. I'm like, oh, I'll get Mario reading within an hour. I was wrong. It actually only took me 20 minutes. And the book I, the book I handed Mario, he liked it so much, he memorized the first chapter by the next week. The book I handed Mario was called Just Disgusting by Andy Griffiths, not the Sheriff of Mayberry. This is an Australian author. He's the guy that wrote uh, The Day My Butt Went Psycho. And the first chapter in Just Disgusting are the 101 most disgusting things. I don't remember all of them, but I can remember some of them. So it's like number 12, dog poop. Number 13, stepping in dog poop. Number 14, <laughs> trying to wipe the dog poop off your shoe and getting it on your fingers. Number 15, eating a hot dog that tastes like dog poop. Number 16, realizing the hot dog tastes like dog poop because you forgot to wash your hands. I mean, that's how you get a little boy excited about reading. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Little Women is a wonderful book. But if you want a little boy to read that book, you better put diarrhea in the title. That's how you get the little boys to read. <laughs> so I, I always had, like, my daughter would come home with uh, graphic novels. And to me, yes, it's reading. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly graphics. So I thought it was almost a disservice because it was mostly graphics. So out of a 200-page book, how many, how many pages of words are there? You know, not that many. But I guess, at, 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 to your point, at the end of the day, they're still reading, whether it's, you know, dog, do, you know, dog poop or, or graphic novels <laughs> they're or, or, or closed caption on a TV. They're still reading. The mind is still working. Well, and you, and you should look into that, Sal. I mean, there was actually a lot of research studies done in the 60s uh, when the Fantastic Four comic books came out. The literacy scores in America actually jumped by almost 10 percentage points. Uh, there, if you look at most comic books, they're written at about a seventh or eighth grade level, which most network news is written at a third or fourth grade level. So there's actually a lot of vocabulary. I mean, I... I I always love reading the Harry Potter books. I, I was with a teacher and she was, she was teaching her first graders and she said, Oh, these boys don't know how to read anything. And I said, this boy, he doesn't know how to word, read the word read or from, but he can read Voldemort. He can read Kidditch. He can read Hogwarts. 
Cause he's interested in it. Like give the kid, like I, I'll give you another example. I used to, I, I've done all of my teaching in, uh, well, most of my teaching in uh, South central Los Angeles in Compton, California. And uh, wow. when I was, when I was teaching second grade, I had a little boy, Kiara and Kiara's first grade teacher told me, Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, well, thank you for that. Well, Kiara who don't know nothing comes into my classroom one day and he's like, Hey, Mr. Bissell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18 points, 16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara. Cause from that day forward, I'd sit Kiara on my lap every day after lunch and we'd read the LA times sports page together. And guess what? By the end of the year, Kiara was one of my best readers. And I swear that kid wouldn't read a textbook, but if you gave him anything about football or basketball, I mean, he would memorize it so uh, it's the same thing with math i mean i was i was with a kid and they said he didn't know how to add i'm like this kid who doesn't know how to add who just gave me jimmy rollins batting average and he can tell you how many <laughs> home runs i mean the kid knows math it's just you're not making it interesting for him so the key ingredient there is finding what they're interested in absolutely I used to work at a, uh, well, I volunteered at a uh, juvenile detention uh, facility for uh, teenage girls. And they said, oh, there's no way you're going to get these girls reading. It took me a week. Um, I found, if you ever read Us Magazine, in the back of Us Magazine, there's this section called the Fashion Police. And it's all these stand-up comedians ripping apart celebrities dressed in outfits. And these girls couldn't get enough of it. They're like, oh, shoot, look at her. And it was, they were just going crazy. I mean, I've used, um, I, I work with middle schoolers and like, oh, this kid can't read anything. Are you, are you kidding me? This kid has memorized this entire hip hop song. Give them the hip hop lyrics and let's see if they can read that. They're interested in it. And then, you know, people used to ask me, well, how do you get eighth grade inner city kids to read Shakespeare? I'm like, well, all I had to do, I was lucky because in, uh, in South Central Los Angeles, there's a great author named Walter Mosley. And he has this great book called Always Outnumbered, Always Outgunned. It's about gang warfare. And I could say, oh, so Shakespeare, you see how these guys are talking? This is their street talk uh, back there. The, that's just the way. And, and the guy's are like, oh, that, man, they talk weird. I'm like, no, they would think that you talk weird. It's just the way their gang talks. And all of a sudden the guy's are like, oh, I get this. You just have to relate it to the kids. I, you know, it's all psychology. And how do you make things interesting? I mean, an interesting. I don't know. I, I think we do whatever it takes to we find out what kids like and Congress makes sure to eliminate it from the curriculum and we find <laughs> out, you know, oh, can we get the kid to sit there for three hours and fill in bubbles and tell us nothing? I mean, that's it's a useless point. I, it's the same thing as an education in my experience. I mean, I love reading biographies and I always tell people, I'm like, here's one of the sad things about biographies of successful people. Most of them dropped out of school. What's going on in school? I mean, that that freaks me out. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, how many people are we losing because we didn't make education great for them? And that's why I support whatever works for this kid and what works for this kid. I mean, you both are dads. You both have multiple kids. Bill Cosby said, unless you have more than one kid, you're not really a parent because you know who did it. But, you know, you have to have multiple kids because, you know, my three kids, they're all brought up under the same house and they're all completely different. And it's like, wow, that's interesting. And so it's, you know, it was, uh, there was a philosopher in the late 1970s by the name of Gary Coleman. And he said, different strokes for different folks. And to say every kid's a little bit different. You got to do whatever is works with the kid. I mean, you know, um, 
if the, if the kid loves Jennifer Lopez, get her get her a book on J Lo. I mean, if they're talking about NASCAR, get them some NASCAR books. I I don't care what the kid's interested in, but when they tell me what they're interested, I zero in right on it. That light bulb never went off that my daughter was so interested in these these graphic comics. I thought it was just a disservice that she's just reading graphic comics and there was there was nothing there. But but thank you. Well, you should read um, a really good graphic novels. You should read the nine eleven report. It's one of the best graphic novels I've ever read. I was like, wow. It's. I mean, I'm a lazy reader. I, this is this is just a little tip for you guys as dads. I mean, uh, before I go to parties, I either stop by the library or the Barnes and Noble, and I go to the children's section, and I'll read about six or seven picture biographies of famous people. And so then at the party, I sound really intelligent. I know all this stuff about. I'm not that smart. <laughs> so I read picture books all the time. <laughs> oh, one of the challenges we face as dads is the work-life balance. So yes. how you, how have you been able to effectively build your business, write 15 bestsellers, and spend time with, with your kids and read all these books? Well, it's all about priorities. I mean, and and how you... like. For me, it's all about habit formation. And so there's simple tips that I train parents to do with your kids. So, for example, I have a feeling television is here to stay, and I don't believe in uh, discarding technology. I try and figure out how to make technology work for me. And so the rule in my house ever since the kids were born is the kids can turn on the TV, but the price of admission is a book. And so when the kids were little, they would bring me a picture book, and we would read the picture book, and then they could turn on the TV now my kids are all teenagers, and so they'll usually, usually like bring me their iPad, and there's like some story on Facebook or something, and we'll read that, and that's what we do. So that was a habit. Um, uh, there's a great uh, website, uh, storylineonline.net. It's free of charge from the Screen Actors Guild, and what they do is they get all these uh, famous entertainers, you know, um, Haley Duff and. Jason Alexander, all these people, and they read aloud these uh, these famous picture books, 10 to 15 minutes. Each each read aloud is closed caption. And so when the kids were little, while I was making their, their lunch and they were eating breakfast, I would just open up my laptop and they would watch a read aloud from one of these people. It was a great way to, to get some minutes of, of the kids reading. Uh, you know, I always tell people minutes matter. The more we can expose kids to reading every single day, the more we're, we're showing them reading is an important thing. And actually, one of the most important things we can do as dads is just to, to read in front of our kids if we if we make it uh, look important. So as far as the balance, I don't know if I have a lot of balance, Rob, but, uh, you know, um, I'd much rather read a, an inspirational book than watch. I, w- I was watching this horrible TV show the other night. Um, it was called uh, The News. And it totally depressed me. <laughs> and so, I, I, like, life is too short. Like, I, 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 t- I, tell, I tell my students, I'm like, you got the rest of your life to be miserable. This year we're laughing. I want things that make me laugh every single day. So uh, I try to keep a lot of laughter in our household. And, uh, you know, <laughs> my kids are, t- you know, as teenagers, they're going through a time period right now where they, they're – feeling depressed. They're like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. And I'm old, you know, I've changed my career like nine times, you know? And I I think that what I love about reading is it makes me constantly curious. And I love 
learn, you know, one of my mentors, Charlie Tremendous Jones, he used to say, you're the same today as you will be in five years, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. So be wise, surround yourself with people that lift you up and make sure to fill your mind with, uh, with books that are inspiring for you. I tell Sal to lift me up, but he told me I ate too much pasta this weekend. So, <laughs> so one of the things I actually, it, it's funny because I kick myself and I keep going back and forth. I love audiobooks. I, I feel like I don't like, I read when I feel like I like to educate myself through reading, but like for entertainment, I love audiobooks. So I'm mm-hmm. a big fantasy guy. So I'll, I read George R. R. Martin. Um, I try to, I try to get my kids when I was my oldest age. I think I read Gold Coast and it was the first book that was adult. I was like, Oh, I'm so mature. Mm. I'm, I'm learning about Punta Nesca. And I don't know if you've ever read the book, but they say how Punta mm-hmm. Nesca sauce, uh, smells like a, uh, vagina. And <laughs> I thought it was one of the funniest things. And to this day, I read that book when I was like 13 to this day, I still remember it, but it yeah. was the thing that kind of opened my eyes to reading and I love it. And I even tell my kids, I'm like, you will be able to be a little bit more mature through reading. You can go a little bit further. You can't watch our movies, but you can read our books. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny. I always go back and forth with myself, intern, like an internal battle of, should I be listening to podcasts? Should I be trying to educate myself? Should I be listening to the news um, instead of listening to these fantasy books? So I turned on the news last week. This is how it's relevant. Bringing it full circle. I turned on the news last week. I'm hearing about all this great stuff going on in the world. They said, fuck this. Give me an audio book. I was like, hi, Audible, how do I pay for my next credit earlier? Like, <laughs> Seriously, the Hunger Games is a little bit more uplifting than what's happening in Congress nowadays. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, so there's actually a relationship. There's lots of studies on this, Rob, that people that uh, are reading fantasy and science fiction and have higher IQs than the rest of the population. So you're in, you're an exclusive company. You're doing a good job. There we go. Now, if I can only publish my book that I wrote, <laughs> you can publish that. You know, one of my favorite stories. So if you're a fantasy fan, I mean, Isaac Asimov, he wrote more books than any other person in history. I mean, he was writing like 10 or 12 books on his own every single year. And on his deathbed, they asked him if he had any regrets in life. And he said, I wish I had learned how to type faster. I'm like, wow, that's a <laughs> cool story. <laughs> I got like to write. <laughs> what family traditions have you carried on from your childhood that you would like for your kids to carry on? Um, well, I don't know. It's kind of tough. That's a tough one, Sal. So the, the irony is I grew up hating reading. My father was a, a librarian, and I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny to me. The furniture was uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There was always some freak, there was always a freaky homeless guy hanging out by the shelves who thought he was a vampire. I always hated the public library. And it wasn't until I actually started teaching in the inner city where I saw a lot of my kids didn't have the advantages I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I was blessed. Both of my parents were in the home. We were lower middle class, but we never starved. We always had food on the table. And my parents always read in front of us to us kids. And we always had plenty of access to reading materials. And uh, I remember I made a big deal out of this for my kids. And so hopefully they'll make a big deal out of it for their kids. It was so special for them when we went to the public library to get their library card. And they had a card uh, that was their very own. Um, also like, uh, when my kids, you know, I like that 
you have all these different reading incentive programs out there, and I don't mean to disparage them. I mean, I love that Pizza Hut has the, the, the Book It program, uh, but if, if I was running that program, I would run it a little bit differently. So the way the program works right now is kids read books and they're rewarded with pizza. If I was running the program, every time a kid came in a pizza hut, I would reward them with a book because you're sending a very different message to the kid. I mean, if you're just always going to reward the kids for reading with pizza, you're just going to have a bunch of fat, illiterate kids. We don't need that. We need uh, kids that actually are motivated. Kids aren't stupid. They know if you have to bribe them to do something, it's not worth doing on on its own. But kids are also very easily manipulated. And so I always uh, reward my kids. We'll, we'll stop by Barnes & Noble and I'll buy them a book of their choice. And so I'm making reading the reward. Um, when I was a teacher, to punish my class, I would say, hey, I'm not going to read aloud to you today. And I mean, I get kids crying because I'm not going to read aloud to them. And this is, you know, that's, that's the, it's all about psychology. Uh, what can you do to make read? I mean, and that's really one of the flaws I see in the school system. I mean, when I was in high school, my, I had a high school English teacher that made us read the, the Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And no offense to people that like the Scarlet Letter, but the, the book is the story of Hester Prynne commits adultery. And so she's forced to wear an A on her chest. And I raised my hand and I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so bored reading that book. And I I thought, well, that teacher let an opportunity slip by. She could have found something that I was interested in and got me read. I mean, if she found out, like if if I have Rob in my class and I found out he's interested in fantasy, I'm going to find him some fantasy books. And I'm just, I'm definitely going to read some fantasy books so I have a way of communicating with Rob every single day. Um, a book that had a huge impact on my life was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was the first book I read where I actually had to put it down because I was laughing so hard on every page. It was so well written. Uh, I like funny books, you know. Uh, so I'm always on the lookout. Well, what's the kid interested in? Um, these are the types of things that, unfortunately, I just don't see enough teachers doing. I mean, when I taught middle school, I was the only teacher in the history of our school, not to have any tardy students. And the reason was I always started off class by reading a Paul Harvey story. I mean, I don't know if you you were alive when Paul Harvey was around. Uh, when I was a kid, Paul Harvey would come on the radio every day at 1215. He'd say, I'm Paul Harvey with the rest of the story. And he'd read aloud to you a story for five minutes. And the entire time you're trying to guess who's he talking about or what the company was or whatever. And my middle schoolers love those books. But the problem was, you know, a lot of the stories are about like the founders of Sears and Roebuck. Well, kids today, they don't even know what Sears Roebuck is. And so the last book I wrote was called uh, Leadership Begins with Motivation. This was a book I wrote for kids today because there's like things I wanted to give them stories that they here. I'll, I'll read you one. This is just a quick one. So this is to get kids interested in reading. So I, I read um, I wrote on the morning of January 17th, 1977, Gary Gilmore in a plain T-shirt, strapped into a chair with a bag over his head, awaited a firing squad of five law enforcement officers to execute him at the state prison in Draper, Utah. Convicted of murdering a gas station employee and motel manager in Utah the year before, Gilmore would be the first person in the United States to be executed in nearly a decade. Shortly before his execution, prison officials asked Gilmore if he had any last words. Neither he nor anyone else that day 
would know the impact of those words. Over 10 years later, in 1988, Dan Whedon, an advertising executive who co-founded the Whedon and Kennedy Agency in Portland, Oregon, made something of a morbid pitch to a struggling fashion company. He recalled the inmate, inmate's final words and used a slight variation for his pitch, and seemingly everyone hated his idea for the company's new slogan. Just trust me on this one. Whedon implored the company's co-founder, and the co-founder, his company, and the public have not looked back since. The co-founder's name was Phil Knight. The struggling brand he co-founded was a shoe company called Nike, and advertising executive Dan Whedon slightly altered death row inmate Gary Gilmore's final words, let's do it, into the phrase, just do it. This is the kind of thing I read to kids to get them interested in reading. <laughs> wow. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's. I was in New York City a couple of weeks ago reading to a class, and so I was reading a story. This was a Paul Harvey story. You guys are in the Jersey area. So a lot of people don't know that New York City, uh, before it was called New York City, was called New Amsterdam because the Dutch settled there first. Well, back in 1664, the British were trying to take over the entire eastern seaboard, and so they invaded New Amsterdam, and the Dutch – surrendered without firing a shot. And so pretty soon the, the British were making fun of the Dutch and everything negative in society became Dutch. And some of those expressions have now lasted over 350 years in the English language. So for example, when you go Dutch on a date, it means you're both paying. I'll be a Dutch man's uncle is not a nice thing to say to a person. A Dutch wife means she's a prostitute. Dutch courage means you're drunk. But there's one thing the British used to say to the Dutch, which infuriated them. You know how every ethnic group has a type of food we like to associate with that ethnic group? Well, yep. the, the Dutch, they really like cheese. And so the British started going around calling the Dutch John Cheese. And this totally infuriated the Dutch. And so they started calling the British John Cheese in Dutch. Yankees. You know, <laughs> Yankee, Yankees, and that is the rest of the story. That's how you get kids excited about reading. That's what reading should do. It should make you excited. Like, oh, how is that possible? I love learning things like that. That's great. That is, I never knew that. But yeah, that you put that spin on it, and of course they're going to enjoy it. There's your Cliff Clayton fact now. You can share with your friends at the bar. So, <laughs> yeah, they <don't> know me. <laughs> so, I, I, we you touched on this before. This is part of one of the questions. How does one become a better reader in 67 steps? Yeah, so the gave us a few tips. Yeah, that's a good question, Sal. So the reason I created my my program actually was I was forced to because during the pandemic, all of my speaking dried up overnight and I had to come up with a new way to earn income. Sure. And uh, people have been asking me to create um, recorded trainings for parents on how to help their kids uh, to become better readers. And so... Uh, the program's called thereadinghabit.com. And so the two numbers I want parents to focus on are 67 and 20. So first off, the number 67. A lot of people say it takes 21 days to change a habit. To those people, I say, show me the research on that. It's a completely fabricated number. I actually know exactly where the number comes from. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon. And in the preface of his book, he noted that it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new face. 
Well, a lot of self-help gurus, a lot of people I respect, by the way, started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. And it's completely fabricated. There's no research on that. So in 2009, the University of London did a habit formation study, and they found it took 18 to 254 days to change a habit. And the average was 66 days. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in an extra day, 67 days. And it depends on the type of habit you're trying to change. So, for example, if you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast every morning, it might take 18 days to form a habit doing that. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days to change that habit. And here's why this is important. Let's say you go on a diet and you follow it religiously for 21 days. But then on day 22, you fall off the wagon. Well, you blame yourself, and that's wrong because research shows on average it takes at least three times longer to change your habits. So the first number is 67, just over two months. Now, the other number is 20. A lot of research has been done comparing successful students around the world, trying to figure out common characteristics, and they stumbled upon one which blew them away. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. They looked at the low kids, the average kids, and the high kids. So the low kids in the class, the 20th percentile, your F students, your bottom feeders, they average less than a minute a day reading outside of school. That didn't surprise anybody. That's why the kids are probably at the bottom of the class. But this did surprise the researchers. The kids in the middle of the class, the 70th percentile, C students, average students, their average is 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. So if I'm doing a live training with a bunch of parents, this is when the room gets really quiet and the first hand raises and the parent's like, wait a second, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. There is a lot of research to support this, but this really startled the researchers. The kids near the top of the class, the 90th percentile, your A minus students, some of your best students, do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school? No. Do they spend an hour a day reading outside of school? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. That's my goal for this program is I'm going to show parents how to find those 20 minutes every single day. And here are two things that are amazing that you'll both like. First of all, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do three minutes here, five minutes there, a minute there, whatever. And second of all, and this is particularly important for your, your younger son, Rob, it's just as good to be read aloud to as it is to read on your own. I'm one of these dorks that reads government studies. I've actually read every government reading study of the last hundred years. You know, uh, why Johnny can't read, a nation at risk, becoming a nation of readers, the national reading panel, you know, the science of reading. You know, all of these documents are always 2,000 pages. And it's always interesting. On, on about page 100, there's a simple paragraph that says, the research seems to suggest the single best way to improve your reading is to be read aloud to. And then they never mention it again because it sounds way too easy. My friend and mentor, mentor Jim Trelease, author of the Read Aloud Handbook, he says if uh, reading aloud cost $129, every parent in America would rush out and buy it. And if we found kids hated it, they'd mandate it in the public school system tomorrow. It sounds so <laughs> simple, but it's the simple things that work. And so that's why... Those numbers 67 and 20 are just so vital. And so basically my program is every day parents receive a video from me about five to seven minutes where I'm giving them a different idea every single day on something you can do with your kid to get them excited to read about reading. Because the more excited we get kids to read, the more likely they are to read and the more they read, the better they get. Now, what's cool about our program is we find that kids in just over two months 
their test scores are going up about two to three grade levels, which is all fine and good, but that's not what's important to me. What's important to me, what means a lot to me is that kids, no matter what school tries to do to them to get them to hate learning, those kids now have a passion for reading, which will last a lifetime. And that's what's important to me. 100% agree. Like I said, I started reading at 13, heard about Punta Nesca and haven't put a book down since. So can we... Can you tell, I know, I know we got to wrap up shortly, but can you tell our listeners where they can find you, your books and where they can learn more about you? Well, as a thank you to, to both you, Rob and Sal, for listening to my long answers to your short questions and to your listeners, I want to give everybody a couple of freebies. So if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to provide two freebies to everybody. First of all, everybody will receive a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for an elementary school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write your book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy. So I also give a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. You know, there's nothing better, more heartening to me than seeing a CEO starting off corporate board meetings, reading Dr. Seuss to their uh, panel. I love it. Uh, and then secondly, uh, last summer, I did a five-day reading challenge online for about 700 parents around the world where every day for an hour, I provide all kinds of those tips to get your kid excited about reading, you know, and we have demonstrated that in just over two months, we'll get your kid to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. And the thing that I love that both of you are doing is you're really emphasizing on the dads because, uh, you know, one of the statistics that drives me crazy is colleges, uh, they're looking at uh, college success rates. And uh, so there's a, people don't know what these are. This is interesting. They actually use these in universities. And so the number one indicator of if you're going to graduate college is usually parental income. Number two <laughs> is the number, number of books in the home. And number three is the highest level of education of mom, which always ticks me off because that means dad's not doing a dang thing. And so I, I, I really want to thank you, Rob and Sal, because there's guys out there. I know that they want to help their kids and they don't really know exactly uh, what they can do. And we're guys. Guys never ask for help. And so I love that you're you're providing this service uh, for, for dads. Kudos to both of you. Thank you. It was uh, Danny, it was a pleasure having you on. It was a pleasure meeting and chatting with you. Uh, the, the tips, I'm going to go home. I'm going to sit down with my, my kids. Uh, I mean, I, I know what their interests are. We're going we're to tell them we're going to Barnes and Nobles. We're going to buy a book of what you like. My daughter with the graphic novels, I said, you can buy 10 books. I'm going to take those tips and I'm going to implement them. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, super, super uh, helpful. And, and well, I can't wait to meet you guys in person so we can share a libation of choice and uh, look for those uh, words, with, those books with all the dirty words in them, uh, Rob. <laughs> they have those in the, in the uh, high school library, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time, either, either w- when we're on the uh, West Coast or, or uh, in Colorado, we'll look you up. And if you're on the East Coast, definitely uh, reach out to us. Sounds perfect. Love it. It's a date. Thank, Thank you, you Danny. Danny. It was a pleasure.